0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Wednesday episode for week nine of this 2023-2024 NBA season. I'm your host, Karsten, and welcome to the show uh, slash welcome back to the show. Both previous listeners and brand new listeners to the podcast, we want to uh, express our appreciation uh, for your support of the show, and thank you for tuning in. Joining me on a Wednesday instead of a Monday, but uh, either way, any day of the week, we're happy to have him. Uh my good friend and co-host Wyatt, how are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing well, Karsten. Thank you. I
1: spent a couple hours in the car today and it's good to be relaxing in the recliner now,
0: talking basketball. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to to being there. I, I have a couple more days of work until I'm able to, you know, break away for the the holiday weekend and looking forward to spending some some time with uh, friends and family. Um traveling back home uh probably christmas eve actually which may be hectic we'll have to see how it all works out but uh yeah it should be a good time i'm looking forward to it um once we come back from our little break uh, and we'll get into schedule kind of towards the end of the episode but uh when we go back from break we'll have to kind of talk through what we what we got for christmas and maybe what we got each other or, or other people you know and um it should be fun. But uh, yeah, for today's episode, we're going to do most of our normal Wednesday stuff uh, as far as, you know, game summaries from the last couple nights, the latest news. Um, we'll finally do 20 guesses as it was originally intended. We haven't done it that way for quite some time. Um, the past few times we've done it, we've done it where I've just kind of given you, hey, here's the stats. Let's see if you can guess it on social media. Uh, but this time around, we'll actually do it with us hosts quizzing each other um we'll also make a couple predictions we'll get into a little bit of a longer forecast of course we're already giving you previews for the games up through Friday night's action uh, but we'll preview the remainder of the weekend up until our next episode and we'll get into that later as well um at after those uh those games are previewed and then we'll wrap things up and and we'll get ready to to have a little bit of a break but uh, that being said let's go ahead and waste no more time let's jump right into uh You know, our our five on five drills, six men, our news, our our game summaries and news from the last couple of days. All right, we're changing up the format slightly in terms of, of course, we're sharing the game uh, load, but I'm going to start with the first game. We're going to send it over to Wyatt for the next two games. Um, So that'll take care of Monday night's action. And then I'll cover both games we're talking about from Tuesday. So slightly different, but just the way we decided to break it up this time around. And uh, we're going to start with uh, our first game for Monday and one of the first games uh, from that night's action uh, in terms of chronologically. We're talking about the Chicago Bulls winning a very impressive game in Philadelphia against the 76ers, 108-104. to your final score in Philly, uh, the Sixers most recent winning streak uh, snapped with this loss and uh, kind of a back and forth. I mean, five lead changes, not too many. Um, Sixers looked like they had the big lead in the first quarter for most of the first quarter. But then the Bulls took leads for most of the rest of the game. Sixers fought it back a couple of times. But Bulls showed great resiliency, being able to hold the lead um, to the final buzzer. And you got to give them a lot of credit for that. Look like at the box scores. Of course, Embiid was stellar, and he's been an incredible run over the last few weeks. Uh, Forty points, fourteen rebounds, and six assists in this game. Two blocks as well. Uh, above fifty percent from the floor. Two of six from three. Eight of nine from the free throw line. Really, not much more he could have done in this game. Uh, and then Tyrese Maxey, very good alongside him. His his newest co-star. Twenty nine points and eight assists with 5 rebounds for Maxi uh with uh 5 of 11 from three point range shooting 45% very good from the floor 39% not so good but he was 6 of 6 from the free throw line those two guys were phenomenal the problem they had was not a lot of other guys showed up to score the basketball the uh, third leading scorer for the Sixers was Paul Reed uh who had 8 points in 11 minutes off the bench uh they also got six points from the recently returned Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, in his 24 minutes of action, he was two of 10 from the floor. And then, you know, De'Anthony Melton had six points and three steals. Otherwise, you know, no one scored more than four points out of those three other guys. I mean, just not a lot of scoring as a team. They were not as great as you'd like to be from the floor in terms of shooting percentage. Meanwhile, for the Bulls, they are very efficient, and they spread the scoring around, and that was what able was able to kind of help charge the victory, I suppose, uh, led by Kobe White, who continues to be impressive for them, 24 points, 9 assists, and 8 rebounds. He could be, you know, if he continues this level of play, compared to what he's done in the past, he could emerge as maybe a dark horse name in the most improved conversation. I mean, he's he's really gotten a lot more consistent, and he's getting more moments and more run with uh, Zach Levine out. So that's been very impressive for them. Nikola Vucevic, 23 points, eight boards, four assists, and two blocks. Three of seven from three for the big man. Uh, they got 15 points from DeMar DeRozan, who also had four steals and a block. Some nice defensive stats there. Patrick Williams is 13 points. And then off the bench, Javon Carter had 12 and Alex Caruso had 10 points. So again, balanced scoring uh, a lot of times, not often, not super often, but a lot of times can beat the, you know, couple of guys who had the really stand out games, but the rest of the team struggled. So a nice win for the, the bulls here as they are still, especially now without Levine as he's injured, they're in this weird kind of no man's land of, well, they're not the worst team in the NBA or the worst team even in in the East or in, even in their division, but um, they're not really sniffing the play in tournament in a meaningful way. And so you wonder what the long-term future is, but that's a future issue. Maybe that's the way they look at it. uh, And that's part of the problem, but um, a great win from now. And Kobe White's been, been playing very well and so you like to see that as a Bulls fan Uh, that's our first game Wyatt go ahead and take it away with uh, the next couple of games we're going to focus on
1: yeah so first up we're going to talk about the Clippers and the Pacers so it wasn't a overly close game but it was a pretty notable game as both of these teams are uh, playing pretty well this year you know Pacers kind of a dark horse coming and being in the championship for the in-season tournament and then the Clippers off to a rocky start, finding their rhythm now. And the Clippers ended up with a victory here, 151 to the Pacers, 127. So pretty high-scoring game. And that'll make sense once we get to the box score here in a minute. But first, if we kind of look at the how the game went. The first oh third of the game was pretty close, uh, back and forth a little bit here and there. Um, some lead changes. Then about halfway through the second quarter, the Clippers really found their stride and and uh, really kind of took off and dominated the rest of the game, uh, leading by as much as 33. Uh, the statistics for the team, the Clippers kind of dominated the boards, uh, getting tw- 12 more rebounds than the Pacers. Uh, and then, but the Pacers did a much better job of sharing the ball: 38 assists to the Clippers' 26. The real uh, difference here in these two games is field goal percentage and three-point percentage. The Clippers were 57% from the field and a whopping 50% from the three-point line compared to the Pacers 51.6 from the field and 36 from the three-point line. The Pacers ran the floor as we have come to expect them to do, uh, getting some more fast break points on the the, uh, Clippers, but Let's jump over to the uh, box score and see who performed uh, on Monday night. So let's start with the Pacers. Top score was Benedict Mathrin with uh, 34 points. So strong game for him. He shot 60% from the field was 3-for-7 from the three-point line and 7-for-7 seven seven from free throws. So great job knocking down those free buckets. He also got six rebounds and had two assists and a steal. Their their, uh, scoring was pretty balanced after that with several people in double digits, including Isaiah Jackson, who also contributed uh, four rebounds and a couple of assists and got 66% from the field. And then with 14 points, we had Obi Toppin and Buddy Heald. Who both had four assists, <clears throat> so good job there. And then let's go down. We had Bruce Brown with eleven points, Aaron Neesmith with twelve, and T.J. McConnell with ten. And those rounds uh, round out your uh, scores in double digits. Tyrese Halliburton, kind of a off night as far as scoring goes. He only had eight points, but he shared the ball well, uh, racking up eleven assists. So. Uh, Great job, you know, being the floor general for Tyrese. Now, up to the Clippers. James Harden was the leading scorer with 38 uh, 35 points, and he was eight for 11 from the three point line. That is almost 73%, folks. Uh, Great job by James Harden. And I mentioned this to Karsten earlier, but Earlier this season I had predicted that Russell Westbrook was going to, you know, return to like an all-star status player. And then when James Harden moved to the Clippers, I set a similar prediction about James Harden. And it seems like that might come true, but I also kind of bumped Westbrook uh my prediction about him being wrong. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Other contributors for the Clippers, we had Kawhi Leonard, 28 points, uh, and then Paul George with 27. So three big scoring uh, players that was able to really push the Clippers into being honestly one of the best teams in the West if they can continue to put up numbers like this. Uh, Harden also had nine assists uh, to contribute to his scoring effort. Kawhi Leonard played a – well-balanced game like he always does a steal and assist a couple of boards uh shot well from the from the floor and then while George got four assists and a few boards as well and a steal and a block so really balanced effort by this team they also had Avika Zubak with 18 points uh and 16 rebounds and then uh Russell Westbrook had 10 points coming off the bench and Norman Powell with 19. So great job by the Clippers. Uh, this new rhythm that they've got seems to be working for them. So that's something that we like to we like to see. When uh, you know, even if you're not a Clippers fan or you don't like any of these players, it's at least satisfying to see a coach come up with a strategy that that works, especially when you're trying to gel uh, so many superstars. So, for sure. Great job, Clippers.
0: Yeah, and I I wanted to just hop in for a brief moment. Yeah, we've talked about a couple of times. You know, when we got this new look Clippers roster and Harden was added, it and it was tough at first. You know, what the recipe for success might look like, and this is what we talked about with, you know, Leonard and George. You would think would lead them in scoring. Harden is the the playmaker and a third scorer and then Westbrook and Powell off the bench, and then Zubats fills up the middle. You know, if you can get Harden scoring 35 every so often, that's just a luxury. You know, you look at by right. the margin of victory. I mean, winning this game by 20-plus points, um, if Harden scores 20 in this game, has just an okay game, they still win this game by a decent margin. And so that, I think, is great for them. And you mentioned the coaching. Yeah, definite credit to Teron Liu. Um He's a coach that I've had doubts about, um, stretching back to the the 2018 Cavs and that whole Game One in the Finals situation where, you know, Jr. Smith got a lot of the flack, but it's like you know your coach could call timeout too, and I had doubts from yeah. that <laughs> whole moment. But you know, credit to him, he's had great years with the Clippers. He's proven that he's a solid hit coach. So yeah, definitely kudos to him. Yeah,
1: thank you. Uh okay, now let's let's jump on to the last game that we're gonna talk about from Monday night, which is the Cavaliers and the Rockets uh game. This game went to overtime with the Cavs ultimately uh getting the victory 135 to 130. So these uh two teams are pretty close in the east. Let me jump over to the standings here. Uh Cavs are sixth and and then the Rockets were in the West. They're ninth. So yeah, they're they're pretty close. Uh scoring records for the Rockets is 0. 0.54. And the Cavs are 0. 0.55. So pretty pretty close records. So this is a, a fun game. It's not one that I would have expected to be as close as it is. I kind of thought the Cavs would have had an easier time with uh, the Rockets than they did, but fun nonetheless. So the game went back and forth, uh, each team leading by decent margins at different times, 18 lead changes, and obviously uh, the end of the fourth they were tied and played in one overtime. Uh, let's jump to the box score and see who contributed what here. Start with the Rockets. <clears throat> they had a pretty balanced scoring effort uh, led by Fred Van Vliet mm-hmm. with 27 points. He also pulled down eight rebounds, got 17 assists, and shot four for eight from the uh, three-point line and nine for 19 from the field. So uh, very solid effort by Fred Van Fleet. Very good all-around play, which is something that you love to see. Uh, see like, a good all-around game. Um, so kudos to him. Uh, and then they were... Also helped by Alperin Sangoon, who had 24 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, uh, and he shot, you know, 55% from the field, 11 for 20. So, uh, great job by both of those guys. Dylan Brooks had 16, and J- Jalen Green had 12. Jeff Green had 15, and Aaron Holiday with 14. Oh, sheesh, and Terry Eason with 14, so really actually a great effort by the rockets i i didn't realize how many players they had in double digits with points which is something that you know you have to see uh, a team do to be successful in today's league because there's simply just not the manpower out there for one guy to do it by himself uh long term you know maybe for a few games a run here and there but this is the kind of setup for long term success that team needs now let's jump over to the Cavs and see how they edged off this great performance by the rockets they were led by donovan mitchell with 37 points uh so great job by him he also had two blocks so not something that you necessarily expect from kind of a smaller point guard Uh, only six foot three he also had six assists uh four for 11 from the three and 14 for 27 from the field. A strong effort by Donovan Mitchell. Played very well. Five for five from the free throw line. Love it when they make all their free throws. He was helped by Sam Merrill with 19. uh, Georges Nang with 10. Paris Levert with 12. Max Struess with 17. And Jared Allen with 10. Dean Wade with 12. Isaac Okoro with 11. Almost all of their roster in double digits except Craig Porter Jr. and uh, Tristan Thompson. So, you know, like I mentioned with the Rockets, they shared the ball well. Everyone was in double digits, essentially. The Cavs just did it a little bit better, <laughs> you know. Mm. Uh, lots of guys in double digits, but Donovan Mitchell had 10 more points than Fred VanVleet. They had a couple more guys get in that double-digit range. Uh, Great, balanced efforts by both of these teams that really uh, probably would have been a fun game to watch. I kind of wish I had now looking over the box score, but I did not.
0: Yeah, (laughs) a little bit of transparency there. But uh, shout out out to uh, our boy Sam Merrill, uh, Utah State Aggie right there. So that's Uh, pretty fun to see. Um, Yeah, he was five for ten from three yeah i mean i believe that was a career high um i want to say i saw a post on social media after the game where they're in the locker room and they kind of give them the gatorade dose or, or dousing rather um so yeah clutch performance for for merrill off the bench to give him some some added scoring and yeah great job to the Cavs. like you said they certainly Uh, earn that victory. So um, that's the last game from Monday we'll talk about. Let's go ahead and move on to our two Tuesday night games last night's action. And these were uh, probably two of the most notable games from maybe the most notable of the last couple of nights, certainly this first game um, the Memphis Grizzlies with the recently returned John Morant, his first game this season after serving that lengthy suspension um, back Tuesday night in new Orleans against the Pelicans and not only does he show up, and not only does he have a game that looks like he didn't miss any time at all, but he hits a game-winning floater for the Grizzlies to win this game, 115 to 113, your final score. I mean, it's great to see. And first of all, very happy for the guy in that aspect. Um, Didn't lose any of his... Uh, certainly his playing ability, but his, his fire and his natural feel for the game. But with the fire, there's the swagger and you love to see that too, but bordering on arrogance. And that's where I'm like, okay, is this going to hold up? And I do not mean to deride Morant at all, because we know he's an electric player and I don't think he's necessarily a horrible person, but I just worry about, you know, did he get the takeaway from the suspension that he needed to to stay on the court fully and to be, you know, self-aware and mature to not get into those kind of situations? Who knows? I hope he has. And I feel like he probably has. But that's besides the point. Let's focus on the game itself. That's the conversation that's been happening for for about a year now. But let's talk about the game itself. And um, yeah, he was phenomenal in this game. And credit to the the Grizzlies, especially after this first half, where it was a close game till midway through the second quarter. And the Pelicans go on this crazy run. McCollum knocking down threes, the crowds in it. You know they were amped. Um, they when Morant had the ball, there was actually a smattering of booze in the crowd, which was kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, the Pelicans had a huge lead um, by more than twenty points at halftime. And then the Grizzlies, you know, chopped it, chopped it in half after the, you know, end of the third quarter. And then they fought back and and brought it within a couple of points in the, the closing minutes. And it was, you know, anyone's game in the final seconds. Morant hits a, a, a floating shot that had a bit of English on it, gets it to fall and, uh, The Grizzlies come away with a win. They haven't had too many wins so far this season. You have to think they're going to start winning some more games with Morant back, but uh, a great story, you know, a great triumph in his return to the court. Brandon Ingram for the Pelicans. We'll start with their box scores, 34 points for him, six assists, two steals, four rebounds, 11 of 12 from the free throw line for uh, Brandon Ingram, 61% from the floor underrated. If you have him and Zion playing at a higher level It's hard to beat this team. Zion did struggle in this game, 13 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, 41% from the floor. Not really the kind of game we've seen more often from him this season. Uh, Valanchunas, though, Jonas Valanchunas, 22 points, 14 rebounds, a steal and a block. And he was uh, great, very efficient from the floor. They got 18 points from C.J. McCollum, who was 6 of 9 from 3-point range with 6 assists as well. So those guys delivered. Valanciunas, McCollum, and ingram zion struggled a bit and there wasn't a lot of other scoring meanwhile for the grizzlies sort of similar story but just a little bit more from the three guys that really stood out for them in you know the aforementioned john morant 34 points eight assists six rebounds two steals a block 0-5 0 oh, five from three. We know was not a stellar three point shooter, but still, that's a heck of a stat line, especially for the time that he missed. Jaron Jackson Jr. with 24 points, six rebounds, and three blocks, and then Desmond Bain 21 points uh, and four assists. So they pulled out the win. You know, credit to them. Um, those three guys are still a you know a, a grouping a, a trio that is capable of being a top tier team in the Western conference. And we know that the struggles they had without Morant were so amplified and so severe that now the wonder is what they will be able to do with nearly a third of the season evaporated. um, And you were one of the worst teams record wise in the Western conference. It'll be interesting. It's interesting to see that. And especially without two key front court guys and Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, you know, they started Bismack Biombo at center who is still serviceable as he's aging, but um, not what you could start in a guy like Steven Adams, if he was healthy. So it's a really interesting team for the moment. Memphis fans have got to be elated that Morant is back and now we'll see what he looks like with more consistency and, uh, you know, a longer stretch of games for the Grizzlies. What do they as a team look like? Are they completely transformed with Morant? I kind of think they will be, but we'll have to see. But a great win for them in the moment. And let's jump to our final game from last night's action. An overtime affair again, this time between the home Golden State Warriors and the visiting Boston Celtics, a rematch of a couple of years ago, the finals matchup there. And uh, despite the Warriors being the far inferior team, record wise and and optically a lot of the time this season the eye test shows that the Celtics have been a better team the warriors still won the game 132 to 126 in overtime um a little bit odd for the Celtics and not a great look for a team that should be you know maintaining their spot in the east and the warriors have fallen this is a team that now you should have no problem getting over the hump and you know, besting that team that beat you in the finals. And that's kind of almost a confidence thing. At least my outside perspective would think that, but uh, you know, they dropped the game tough one, especially where they led most all of the game uh, leading by as many as 17 points midway through the third quarter. But uh, the Warriors hung around and the Celtics didn't score enough to to keep the gap wide enough. And uh, suddenly they've tied it going into overtime and uh, Steph Curry clutch, you know, he powers the Warriors to a win. You look at the box score for the Celtics. Derek White led them in scoring with 30 points, seven rebounds, three assists, and three blocks. He was seven of 18 from three. Really had to get a lot of three-point shots up. Uh, Jalen Brown, 28 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Um, Man, Jason Tatum, 15 points, eight boards, seven assists, two steals, two of nine from three below 30% from the floor. And it's not great to have that on your, you know, added to this storyline of the Celtics against the warriors or, you know, a game that means a little bit more something. And he has a game like this. It's not every time, but it seems like it's more often than you definitely like. And so not great to see that from Tatum. Um, Al Horford with 13 points, 12 rebounds, six assists and a block. And then Drew Holiday, 13 points, seven rebounds, two steals. Um, no one shot particularly well from the floor. They also got um, 11 off the bench from Peyton Pritchard, who was three of five from three. He was their best shooter in the game by far. And then uh, 10 points from uh, Nimas Kida or, or Queda. I need to look up the pronunciation. He's been in this league too long for me to not know the pronunciation, so I apologize uh, to him for that. 10 rebounds for him as well. Um But, yeah, as a team, they shot below 42% from the floor and below 30% from three. And you compare it to the Warriors, the Warriors were a better field goal shooting team, 45%, 46% from the floor, and 40% from three. Um, Warriors were the better team this night. And Steph Curry, 33 points, six assists, six of 11 from three. He's always going to be a big part of that with the Warriors. Clay Thompson, though, bit of a vintage game for him, 24 points, four boards, four assists, a steal and a block showing the two-way play, and he was 6 of 15 from three. So the Splash Brothers back at it. You got 17 points, seven rebounds from Jonathan Kaminga starting in place of the uh, suspended Draymond Green. You got 11 points from Dario Sarch off the bench, and then also 10 points from both Moses Moody and the rookie, Trace Jackson Davis, both of them coming off the bench as well. Uh, Chris Paul, 12 assists and nine points. Along with seven rebounds, nearly a triple double, which is kind of a nice note for him. And then Jackson Davis, the rookie, also had 13 rebounds in this game with three blocks. Um, Warriors are just a better team, you know. And again, in the final moments, it was a, a close game. Warriors clinging onto a one point lead towards the end of overtime. Curry misses a layup. The Warriors get the rebound and then kick it out to Curry for a tough three pointer contested. And he absolutely drains it and um you know it's it's multiple things it's execution it's not getting the rebound it's allowing curry to get open for three it's a lot of those things that still leave you with some question marks at the end of the day with the celtics um as far as them being a true contender in the east but you know they're still a great team it's one loss credit to the warriors and uh, a great clutch shot to add to the lengthy resume of one of the greats of our generation, Steph Curry. And I think that takes care of that game. Why any other comments on those games before we move on to our, our six men?
1: Oh, I was just impressed with the uh, Pelicans free throw percentage, uh, 22 for 20 out of 24 free throws, 92%, mm. but not a, not a crazy statistic, just something I was, uh,
0: you know, just kind of a, A little positive note to throw in there. Yeah, you you sound kind of like my girlfriend a little bit. She's always she's not a very big basketball fan, but she's very passionate about the fact that they're professionals. She's like, why don't they make every free throw? And I'm like, well, even if you're the best, (laughs) even if you're the best player in the world, it's not that easy. But she doesn't seem to like that answer. But um, (laughs) it is what it is. But no, yeah, great, great percentage for them. Um, definitely worth noting. But yeah, those are the, the main games we're talking about. We'll go ahead and run through the stats from the remaining games who didn't have a chance to go more in-depth on. Uh, firstly, for Monday night, the uh, Raptors won at home against the Charlotte Hornets, 114-99. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves won in Miami against the Heat, 112-108. to Anthony Edwards with 32 points in that game. The Atlanta Hawks continued the misery of the Detroit Pistons, winning in Atlanta, 130-124. to overcoming Cade Cunningham's 43 points which might have been a career high even um feel bad for Cade i mean he is not the problem in Detroit um Trey Young though 31 points 15 assists in that game uh the Oklahoma City Thunder won at home against the uh Memphis Grizzlies 116 to 97 um SGA with 30 points 9 boards 5 5 assists the Utah Jazz won at home against the Brooklyn Nets 125 to 108 uh, overcoming Cam Thomas's thirty-two points, Sexton with twenty-seven points again. That's like his third or fourth straight game with twenty-five plus points. So that's pretty exciting to see that he's increasing the workload and and scoring the ball a little bit better. Um, one we almost talked about but didn't, but certainly worth noting: the Denver Nuggets winning big at home against the Dallas Mavericks, one thirty to one hundred four. Luca with the near triple double: thirty-eight points, eleven boards, eight assists. But not enough to overcome a more balanced Denver attack. Uh, The Sacramento Kings won at home against the Washington Wizards, 143 to 131. Sabonis for the Kings with the triple double, 28 points, 13 boards, 12 assists. And then finally, uh, a classic rivalry matchup the New York Knicks winning in Los Angeles against the Lakers, 114 to 109. Uh, Anthony Davis, 32 points, 14 rebounds. Not quite enough in that matchup. There's some the Monday games, and then finally the two other games from Tuesday from last night that we didn't have a chance to go more in depth on. First is the Milwaukee Bucks one at home against the San Antonio Spurs one thirty two to one nineteen, thanks to Damian Lillard's forty points, certainly a big part of that. And then finally the Portland Trailblazers one at home against the Phoenix Suns one hundred nine to one hundred four, overcoming a forty point game from one Kevin Durant. DeAndre Ayton with 15 rebounds in that game. Very solid. And that is it for your six men. So that covers the action from the last couple of nights. Um, The next time we do game summaries is going to be after we've had about a week of games. So that's going to be crazy. We'll have to see how we tackle that um, on the next episode. But for now, let's talk through the latest news items starting with a couple of injury notes. Firstly, for the New York Knicks, center Jericho Sims is expected to miss one to two weeks with a right ankle sprain. Definitely tough for them, especially where they're already missing Mitchell Robinson for several months or a couple of months at least. So uh, tough news for them. And then for the Brooklyn Nets, an update on an already injured player, Ben Simmons. He'll be reevaluated in two weeks. Uh, Lower back nerve irritation is the um, kind of official situation. Uh, there was a chance he could have returned, but he still needs a little more time, and so he's out. So definitely wishing Sims and Simmons the best as they work to recover from those injuries. Um, and then one transactional note as well, the Memphis Grizzlies have waved forward Kenneth Lofton Jr., um, of course, a, a popular player. He was a, a G League player, uh, G League MVP, maybe not quite that big of a, a, a an accolade, but he was certainly a, a well-respected Uh, G League player, even though he's still fairly young. I mean, he had won some sort of awards in in G League and had been a standout for the the Memphis hustle. And so now he's on the open market. He's going to garner a little bit of interest from teams. I believe he was a standard contract because of the whole, you know, injury uh, exceptions that the injured player exceptions that the the Grizzlies had gotten. Um, But We'll have to see. I I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a two-way deal with some other team in the next couple of days. So keep your eyes out for that, I suppose. Um, A note real quick on that Lillard uh, scoring performance from their last game as well. In that game, Damian Lillard also became the 51st player in the NBA's history to score 20,000 career points. And he's the eighth active player to do so. So a very elite company for uh, one of the great guards of our generation. Uh, For the Houston Rockets, uh, some fines handed out to both Dylan Brooks and head coach Ime Udoka. Uh, Brooks was fined $35,000 for inappropriate language towards an official and for publicly criticizing the officiating. Udoka was fined $25,000 for simply directing inappropriate language towards an official. So a little bit of money lost in Houston there. Uh, For the Cleveland Cavaliers, Ricky Rubio and the Cavs, organization in the front office probably specifically they've been discussing a potential parting of ways amid doubts of his return to an nba career this is kind of surprising we know that um a few months ago before the start of the season uh he was going to be away from the team uh until further notice really because he was taking time away from from the team and from basketball specifically to focus on his mental health um and it's interesting now that that could mean the end of a, of a career, you know, he's been a a very solid pro Um, we as jazz fans, of course, really loved him and that the magic of those teams in the rookie year and sophomore year of Donovan Mitchell Um, he was a point guard for that team. And, you know, he's been a, a very productive pro, even if a little bit of a, you know, not fully fitting the mold of what we think of as a modern day, you know, the current game, you got to be able to shoot the three. He's not a stellar three-point shooter, but he's such a great passer and and floor leader. It would really be a shame if this is, if, you know, that was the end of the career and we've seen all we can see from him. Um For our sake, I'd like to see him return to the floor, but definitely if what's going to be best for him and his own mental health, personal health is going to be stepping away from the game, then we can respect that, but uh it'd be a shame. So we'll certainly keep you posted on uh, that as any up dates come out about it finally a couple just nba specific notes and all-star specific notes firstly g-league guard mac mcclung has been invited to this year's slam dunk contest of course he's the reigning dunk contest champion from last season when he was a g-league player for the delaware bluecoats in the dunk contest he was wearing the sixers uniform because he technically been called up so the sixers could say hey we've got a guy in the dunk contest so um, a little bit of you know, roster maneuvering there. But currently he's playing with the uh Osceola Magic of the G League, the um Orlando Magic's G League affiliate, formerly the Lakeland Magic, I believe. Um, but he's been invited, so I don't know if they would make any, you know, transactions related to him, any other teams trying to get him to represent them in the dunk contest. We'll see what happens. But uh it's good to have him being in the dunk contest again and And then again, All-Star specific, the schedule of events for this year's All-Star weekend has been made official. Um, That schedule is posted on the NBA's website, and it's pretty much what you'd expect. Uh, Celebrity game and the Rising Stars stuff is all on Friday. On Saturday, you have the uh, All-Star practice, the uh, somewhat new HBCU classic. And then you have the All-Star Saturday night with the Skills Challenge, the three-point contest, and the Slam Dunk uh, Contest, as we mentioned. Of course, Sunday, you have the G League uh, up next game and then the actual All-Star game itself. So pretty pretty typical schedule. If you're looking for exact times that those events will start, you can find that. Um, we'll cover that probably as we get closer to it um, and it becomes a little more relevant. But with that, that takes care of our uh, news for this last couple of days we're up to date with what's gone on in the last couple of days of nba news and action let's go ahead and dive into the long-awaited return at least for us we hope for you as well uh (laughs) long-awaited return of the true form of our 20 guesses game starting now Okay, here we are. It's 20 guesses and if you're not familiar with how this game works, let me give you a very quick rundown. One of us, let's say if I was starting, I have a player in mind that I want Wyatt to try and guess. Now instead of 20 questions where he's going to ask me is the player from this team? Is the player uh this position such such and such? He's going to start away right away start trying to make guesses, right? And um with every guess, I will, if possible, say, okay, it's not this player, but this player you guessed has something somewhat similar to the player I have in mind. So let's just say, for example, the player I had in mind was Michael Jordan and Wyatt guesses um, you know, Kobe Bryant. I would maybe say something along the lines of it's not Kobe Bryant, but it's someone who has a very similar play style now with those two that would be a pretty obvious guess but more often it would be something like no but this player played for the same team or played the same position something to that effect um now Wyatt also has three lifelines that he can call on at a, at any time um they are the teams that that player played for the uh accolades from their career such as you know MVPs all-star games all nba championships those kind of things. And then finally, the last one is uh, their stats from their best career seasons. So that one can be a little more subjective, but basically you take what would be their prime and then their averages that they had during their prime. Um, And the last thing is before they start guessing, the person who has a player in mind will give them the career stat line. That's the only thing they have to start their guesses on is their career averages per game. So explain that a little bit out of order, but hopefully that uh, explains it. And if you're not fully on board, you'll get the idea of it as we pick it up. Why I'm actually going to change it up. I'm going to let you start. Normally I'd be the one to start with the player in mind, but I'm going to let you start and I will go second. So why go ahead and give me the career points, uh, you know, per game averages for this player that you have in mind.
1: All right. So, this player averaged 15 and a half points per game. Um, I forget which ones we do. Uh, 0.8 steals per game, 0.1 blocks per game, 5.6 assists per game, 2.7 rebounds per game. Um, then let's do what, like field goal percentage? Yeah uh he averaged point 508 from the field uh, that was his effective field goal percentage oh, that's and effective 0. field goal percentage 7.75 was his uh or, sorry that was his 0.7 but here we go field goal percentage is 0.
0: .491 okay and then i think we also do three point and free throw percentage as well
1: 3-point and free throw. 3-point is 0.324. And free
0: throw is 0.751. Okay. And then one more time, can you give me the the full career stat line?
1: Yes. All right. Points, 15.5 per game. Blocks, 0.1 steals 0.8 assists 5.6 rebounds 2.7 free throw uh 0.75 or 0.751 uh three point is 0.324 and then field goal is
0: 0.491 okay and as you can hear we've got some background music this time around um I suppose we'll see if the music is too loud. I don't know. It feels like it's okay. Wyatt, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's okay. All right. So, you know, TNT, Turner Sports, this was the music that I thought we could go with. Um, If there's an issue, um, we probably can't afford to rectify it. So we'll just have to (laughs) re-record it at a later date or something. Um, I can guarantee you we're not making any money off of this. Um. Okay, so I've written that down, actually. So a scoring distributor who was not a great three-point shooter, not really a rebounder, um, but not a terrible shooter from the floor. I'm going to... Right off the bat, I'm thinking this is a point guard from, like, the 80s or 90s um, who was a starter more often than not. Um, and and maybe close to an all-star in his peak. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards with this career stat line. And so, with that in mind, I'm going to go with for my first guess. Um, I'm going to guess. Is it Rod Strickland?
1: Uh, no, but okay. you were okay. correct on position. It's a point guard.
0: It is a point guard. Okay, and that's kind of what I thought. Um, Ooh, now, from there it gets tricky because there's been a lot of solid point guards. Um, man, this is tough. I mean, 2.7 rebounds is not a ton. And and it's not a lot of steals, too, so, I, you know, I would think with the steals I would have thought like Maurice Cheeks, if, if it was higher steals, but that would not be the case with 0. 0.8 steals. Um. Actually, no. Here's one. Is it Jason Williams? It is not. Ooh, I that um, could have been a White chocolate. Yeah. Let me think of a. Uh, that three-point percentage might even be too high for him.
1: Uh. Yeah. So it's not him, but they. He is an NBA champion.
0: Okay, so this is a championship. a champion point guard. Now, that doesn't always guarantee because it's like, well, was he actually a starter or was he like the the 12th man off the bench? I'll
1: give you. I'll give you. He's the starter.
0: Okay. That's a pretty big one. So he was the starting point guard on a championship caliber team. Interesting. Um, 15.5. I would. I was almost thinking Kenny Smith, but I think that's a little high for a career average. Um, he was above that for a number of seasons, but not not for a career, I don't think. Um, championship starting point guard. Um, that's got to be too many points for John Paxson. Um, and it's not enough steals for Ron Harper. So that's the Bulls teams out, at least in my mind. Maybe I could guess Kenny Smith, but I won't right now. Um, It's not Vinny. Not not Vinny. It's not Avery Johnson. It's not Ron Harper again in 2000. It's not. Maybe it is. Maybe it's this player. Is it Derek Fisher? It is not. Yeah, no. And that's the points are too high for that. But
1: uh, let's see if I can get you a uh, I want to get you a, a
0: hint based mm-hmm. on Derek Fisher. Sure, but oh, I might have um, I might have it.
1: All right, move on then because I don't
0: think I have okay. a good hint relating to Derek Fisher. Sure. Is it Tony Parker? It is, it's Tony Parker. Hey, Tony Parker. The um, oh, what is have you ever seen that clip where it's someone asking Greg Popovich uh, an interview question? Well, the t- music ran out at the perfect time. Um, they're interviewing Greg Popovich, like post game interview, and I almost want to say it's a skit, but they ask him, um, <sighs> like, uh, Pop Pop, what about your uh, something the Francophile, the yeah, uh, Tony Parker. Can he continue to be your main butter and egg man and still cook the boys from Big D? And <laughs> I, I don't know what the situation is. He just has this great line, but man, I'm surprised with that. Was that like what five, six guesses?
1: Uh, I think just
0: four. Really? Yeah, wow. that's got to be like one of our best ones yet. Yeah, I'm proud of myself I'm for proud. that
1: one. Out <laughs> on the
0: back. All right. Yeah. No, it's a good one. Tony Parker. Um, I mean, yeah, 15.5. I, I didn't I was almost a little skeptical because I didn't think he had quite that high of a a career average. But I mean it lines up. Yeah, great distributor, not a super well-known defender, not a great three-point shooter, but efficient nonetheless, and uh absolutely a champion. So yeah, great player. Um with that, let me go ahead and give you my player. If you are ready, are you ready? Wyatt? I'm ready. All right, perfect. I'm ready too. I just got a drink. So we're all good. Here is the career stat line for this player. 19.3 points per game. Average 19.3. 3.0 rebounds. It's about three rebounds per game. 7.6 assists. Uh, 7.6, 1.2 steals, 0.1 blocks. So about 19 points, three rebounds, seven and a half assists, a little more than a steal, um, and 0.1 blocks. As far as field goal percentage, uh, shot 43% from the floor, 32.5% from three-point range, and 78.4%. From the free throw line again percentages 43.3% from the floor 32.5% from three and 78.4% from the free throw line. Wyatt, what are you thinking?
1: Well, a uh, decent score better than Tony Parker hmm. uh, and also get better rebounds, but not crazy numbers either. Uh, his assists were high. And his steals were okay. Blocks were low. So I'm also guessing this is a guard. Hmm. Um, Probably a point guard or shooting guard. Most likely a point guard with the assist numbers. Hmm. And. (laughs) Hmm. I'm going to go with him being a little bit more. Uh, recent player. Not necessarily more recent than Tony Parker, but I don't think he was a 70s or 80s historic player, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm.
0: The suspense is building
1: let's uh let's just throw out oh no i know that one's wrong so i can't say that let's just throw out a guess of
0: ron harper ron harper and it's not ron harper not a bad guess um especially with the steals, but I'll give you point guard for sure. I mean, Harper was a shooting guard, point guard, and I'll give you that even, too. I mean, this player was a point guard at times. Maybe people thought of him as a sort of shooting guard, but more a point guard, so I'll give you that.
1: Okay. Um. How about... Rick Barry.
0: Rick Barry? Is that your final answer? (laughs)
1: No. (laughs) Uh,
0: I need a point guard. Big guys, you can never have enough of them. I need a point guard.
1: (laughs) I'm like skeptical that you would choose a current player.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. Uh,
1: Who would do that? Let's just see something here. What about... Yeah, but he's more of a small forward shooting guard. Not really just... ever a point guard. Mm. Uh, I-, I was thinking Tim Hardaway Jr. for half a second but he's too big mm. he is too big alright let's go uh...
0: just a reminder for the audience Wyatt does have the three lifelines if he chooses to use them
1: um Considering using one here. So I'm kinda kinda blanking here on uh let us uh let's hear his uh teams played for.
0: Okay. The teams that this player played for, I'm gonna give the teams in alphabetical order by Team Mascot. So this player played for <laughs> the Celtics, the Knicks, the Nets, the Suns and the Timberwolves. So again, the Celtics, Knicks, um, Nets, Suns, and Timberwolves, the five teams this player played for.
1: Celtics, (laughs) Knicks, Sounds like that has not
0: done much for Wyatt. Uh, did you say Suns? Yes. So, I'll say it again. Celtics, Knicks, Nets, Suns, and Timberwolves. Okay. So, I'm
1: interested in... Uh, let's see. Who Did Jason Kidd play for that many teams?
0: Let's go Jason Kidd. Um... It's not Jason Kidd, but I will say he played in a very similar time frame to Jason Kidd. Okay.
1: Similar time frame. Does he still play, though? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, Nick's what about Stephen Marbury?
0: Is that your final pronunciation? Stephon Marbury. You are correct. It is Stephon Marbury. <laughs> I will say, though, it sounds like, and I don't want to be a tinfoil hat guy here, but it sounds like there might have been some some research done.
1: Oh, there was the 100% fly. research. Yeah. <laughs> <done. laughs>
0: oh man
1: they're looking through Nick's point guards
0: (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) no of course um, for those not familiar which could include Wyatt from what he's uh, you know given me here um, Marbury (laughs) was most notable for his years with the uh, New Jersey Nets as well as the Phoenix Suns in the early 2000s uh, made two all-star teams In 2001 and 2003, respectively. Um, In those four years, averaged about 22 points, eight assists. Um, He was electric. Some of those highlights are pretty wild with his, you know, dunking and his athleticism. Not afraid to shoot the ball, especially if, I mean, he shot like 30% from three in those years. Um, Not a tremendous three-point shooter, but not afraid to score. But um, we'll end the music there. But uh good good job, Wyatt. Even if you needed a little bit of research, uh yeah. <laughs> Even if
1: I'm cranking out the uh the rosters here.
0: Yeah, exactly. What were the other uh, the Nick's point guards probably gave, you, you know, Jalen Brunson and um the current guys, Kidd.
1: surprisingly.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Um I mean could have given you Raymond Felton. Um trying to think other Knicks point guards. Chris Childs, Charlie Ward. Yep. But anyway, I didn't notice that one. But Charlie Ward.
1: Uh,
0: oh man, I was, he- skimming,
1: I was skimming hard for uh, names I recognized. And...
0: The the Heisman Trophy winner, Charlie Ward, who played in the NBA. Okay, that's one hundred percent a fact. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, good job, Wyatt. Ah, uh, good job to me, and uh, <laughs> I think we. Good job to you. <laughs> I think that was fun. Uh, some some good selections. A couple of point guards. Um, that was a lot of fun, and I'm just glad that we're able to do that segment again. Um, hopefully we can, as we continue to, you know, shuffle schedule if we need to. I mean, we haven't done a ton of that so far in the season itself, but. Maybe we'll figure out a way to, to have that segment be a little bit more um, regular, but otherwise, it's one of my favorite segments and uh, a lot of fun. And with music this time, yeah. I think that definitely helped us. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and move on from that into uh, our next segment and our latest round of weekly predictions. Weekly predictions. Okay, with this segment, since I let Wyatt go ahead and start with our first, uh with our our game uh segment, our 20, 20 guesses, I will go ahead and start on this one, and I'm not going to give you too much buildup, because it's really not that crazy of a prediction, at least not in my mind, Um, but I'll go ahead and give it to you. My prediction is that Paolo Caro will make his first All-Star game this season, and I was looking at it, I knew I kind of wanted to go something in the All-Star category, just because you know, some of that news is broken out and that's going to be after the Christmas day games, that's really going to be the next kind of big, you know, checkpoint on the NBA calendar along with the trade deadline just before it, of course. But, um, I, you know, from what, why was saying as he was kind of getting his prediction ready, he might go trade deadline. Um, but yep. yeah, so, so we'll get there, but, uh, with mine, you know, I, I feel like I predicted it last season and it was an incorrect prediction, but I made a prediction about, oh, Palo Bencaro will break the streak of, you know, rookies, rookie sensations that haven't made the all-star game. He wasn't an all-star last season. That wasn't really too surprising. Um, there's something, there's some sort of, I don't know, I wouldn't say a stigma, but there's something about, well, he's a rookie, you know, we kind of shy away from putting him in the all-star game, their rookie year, Um which is interesting, you know, maybe an evolution of the game. Of course, you look back in the 60s and 70s and even into the 80s, rookies made all-star games all the time. So um, it's one of those things. But no, I think with his, I mean, he's been, he's continued to be solid. He's taken small steps forward in his game, but more to the point, the success of the Orlando Magic, even over the last, even though over the last week, they've slipped a little, they've been a much improved team and that gets you in, award conversation specifically, but it can also get you an all-star game conversation. Um, because of course the starting lineup, those are fan votes combined with, you know, media and a lot of those other things. The, uh, bench guys, the remaining all-stars is pretty much all the coaches vote and coaches are going to respond well to winning teams and guys that impact winning. And Ben Caro has been, uh, a fiery competitor and the magic have been a, a better team. They've been one of the better teams in the East. I think that can be a great recipe for a guy to make his first all-star game. You know, you think about, um, when, when the Knicks got better last season with Jalen Brunson, that kind of went to Julius Randall making it another all-star game after being absent from it for a year. Um, you know, the Raptors being standout with Pascal Siakam in the lineup, I mean, he was great as well. It's a two-way street, but that will certainly be a factor in being in the all-star conversation. Same reason that a guy like Trey Young, who puts up great stats, but the Hawks have struggled in recent seasons, doesn't get a lot of the same attention as an all-star type candidate. So that's my reasoning. I think Ben Carroll will make an all-star game this season. I don't think it's that crazy, but that's what I'm going to go with.
1: Nice. Um. Yeah, we can jump over to mine. Mine is a little more crazy. Uh, may or may not be realistic. And yes, it involves the trade deadline. Uh, like Carson asked earlier if I wanted to comment on the the uh, Warriors game, which I did not because I knew I'd be talking about them here. So my weekly prediction is that the Warriors will make a big before the end of the trade before the trade deadline and to give you some specifics i am talking moving one of their big three uh one of their original uh what do they call it like playoff uh core you know draymond mm-hmm. Steph, clay were the ones i'm thinking of and you could loop uh, chris paul into it too but i make mm-hmm. mo- mostly uh referring to their uh kind of their original three uh, that one of those will be moved mm-hmm. before the trade deadline. Uh, I think it's a little wild. I don't know that it's. Uh, I would. I would not call it likely by any stretch of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I think it's possible. They haven't yeah. been doing so hot.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, as we've you know alluded to a little bit, that is pretty spicy. Um, however, I don't disagree with it. And I think when we did our Warriors franchise focus, that was almost, you know, a talking point for me. It was if the Warriors want to sustain success slash have an opportunity to build future success with a retooling, you know, that may be an inevitable um, thing that kind of has to happen. Um, I doubt it would be Steph Curry. So you could have almost just said, Right. Yeah. Player Draymond. Player Draymond. Yeah. I mean, there was even a, a wild universe out there where a Steph Curry trade, for whatever reason, happens. Um, it's hard to think of any kind of reason where that would happen. But, you know, I, at this point, especially with some of the recent uh, stuff that's gone on, I would not be surprised at all to see a Draymond trade, especially now where you have Mike Dunleavy Jr. as your general manager. Instead of um not uh it is Lacob, right? Joe Lacob was the GM. I get the name no Bob Myers. Joe was the owner. See that's I, I get the names mixed up all the time. Bob Myers was a GM, Joe Lacob is the Warriors owner or majority owner, but you don't have Bob Myers there who was the architect of the four championship teams. He was the one who brought you know Draymond in and and made that a core piece of that original lineup like you're talking about and where you have a new gm now and a team that's struggling even more than they were before i don't think that's really that outlandish actually it sounds very spicy but i i don't think it's too crazy wouldn't be surprised um i'd be more surprised with the clay trade than a, Dray, a Draymond trade um but yeah. i wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be surprised with that and especially chris paul i feel like chris paul could be a move that was made that would be made um but no, I don't. I don't think that's too, too crazy. Even though, yeah, it's it's kind of a wild proposition to think about any of those guys on another team. It feels kind of right. It's been weird such a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's definitely an an anomaly in, for the most part, in the modern NBA to have players like that who have been with the franchise for so long. But with the success they've had, that's really the 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 you know the key differentiator I suppose so mm-hmm. we'll have to see and again trade deadline I believe we said was what February 7th February 8th something like that yeah uh, something four, to that effect five weeks yeah five and weeks then and, and then all-star weekend will be about a week uh, a little more than a week after that so uh, that of course was a, ch- a change made over the last uh, six or seven years I think it was right after DeMarcus Cousins was traded like during All-Star Weekend because they used to overlap almost, and so they made that change. But um, yeah, we'll have to see. That'll, of course, be a little while away. Of course, the immediate uh, next conversation in the the NBA is the Christmas Day games, and uh, that's a great segue for us to go into our weekend forecast. We've already given you the game previews for uh, tonight's games as well as Thursday and Friday, so we're going to focus on... Saturday through uh, next Wednesday night to get you through the Christmas weekend and the the next couple of days, what to expect from that action. And again, all of the times that I will give that these games are starting are in Eastern Standard Time. So certainly keep that in mind as you plan your schedules um, for which games you want to check out and when you'll be available to watch games. Um, On Saturday, we have a full, nearly full 13-game slate Only one of those is a national broadcast, so uh, that'll be on NBA TV at 1230. Bit of a matinee uh, as the New York Knicks host the Milwaukee Bucks. So that one should be interesting. Uh, Your remaining games, your other 12 games at 330, the L.A. Clippers host the Boston Celtics. That should be a sneaky good game there. Uh, At 7 o'clock, the Pelicans host the Rockets, the Pacers host the Magic, and the Hornets will host the Nuggets. Uh at seven o'clock. And 7:30, this game is actually a local access game, so so keep that in mind as well. But at 7:30, the Toronto Raptors will host the Utah Jazz. Uh also at 7:30, the Nets host the Pistons and the Hawks host the Grizzlies. The Nets will look to not be the team, uh, assuming that the Jazz don't lose to the Pistons, which we we as Jazz fans hope that's not the case. But if the, yeah. if the Jazz beat the Pistons, then the Nets are the next team up to see if the Pistons would break the streak. The uh, lengthy, what, 24-game losing streak at this point? Um, Right. So we'll have to see what happens there. Um, At 8 o'clock, the uh, Thunder hosts the Lakers. That should be a great game to watch as well. Um, Also, the Bulls host the Cavaliers. At 8.30, the Golden State Warriors host the Portland Trailblazers, and also the Dallas Mavericks host the San Antonio Spurs, Luka versus Wemby. That should be very interesting in Dallas. And then at 10 o'clock, the Sacramento Kings host the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's a game that I would probably like to to check out because of my fascination with those two teams and especially my sort of side fandom for the Kings over the last couple of seasons. Um, That should be Mm -hmm. very fun as well. On Sunday, no Sunday games. So nothing to worry about there. Of course, that's going to be a full slate of, uh, you know, probably football, your your, uh, Christmas Eve games there. So we'll move on to Monday, your Christmas Day, and all five of these games are national broadcasts on ESPN, and a couple are also on ABC. Um, starting at 12 o'clock, again, your matinee kind of category, and again, it's Knicks hosting the Bucks, so they're getting a two-for-one. They're getting their you know, home-and-home home stand uh, with the recent schedule adjustments, but they'll also get your Christmas Day game in in New York, which is kind of a... Uh, pretty much a tradition for New York to to host a a Christmas Day game, and then uh and that was on ESPN, and then two thirty ESPN, but also on ABC the Denver Nuggets will host the Golden State Warriors, should be a great one, Jokic versus Curry, um, Nuggets the better team for sure, but could still be intriguing. I mean, with the Warriors beating the Celtics, we know that that can happen. Um, ESPN at five o'clock, also on ABC. This one is uh, the Los Angeles Lakers host the Boston Celtics. The classic rivalry matchup makes a lot of sense for a Christmas Day game, but also Tatum versus LeBron, AD versus, you know, Jalen Brown and Porzingis. uh, Star-studded teams should be a great one. Uh, ESPN at 8 o'clock, the Miami Heat hosts the Philadelphia 76ers. Was a touch of a rivalry for a playoff series a few years back, Um, but especially where you have Jimmy Butler against his former team in the Sixers and a former teammate in Joel Embiid. It should be very interesting to watch out for. And then at 1030, the Phoenix Suns will host the Dallas Mavericks. No Bradley Beal, of course, in that game, or likely no Bradley Beal. But, um, you know, Durant and Booker versus Luka. And, of course, remember a few years back, Luka ousting the the Suns in the playoffs. And that storyline, that that blowout in the playoffs, uh, should be an interesting game following up on that uh, a few years down the road. So those are your Christmas day games after that Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, we get a little bit more into kind of your standard action on Tuesday. There's nine games and an NBA TV double header at eight o'clock on NBA TV. I have the Rockets hosting the Pacers. And then at 1030, the Clippers hosting the Hornets, your other games from that night wizards hosting the magic Pistons host the nets. Again, Nets will have back-to-back games against the Pistons back-to-back opportunities for the Pistons to try and get one. Um, You know, they'll have their own scouting report against that team as they play him again. So that could be beneficial for them. We'll see what happens. Uh, At 8 o'clock, the uh, San Antonio Spurs host the Utah Jazz. Again, that's local access. That's Jazz Plus if you want to watch that. At 8 o'clock, the Thunder host the Timberwolves. Another great game to watch out for. Also at 8, the Pelicans host the Grizzlies, and the Bulls host the Hawks. And then at 10 o'clock, the Kings are in Portland against the Trailblazers. Those are your Tuesday games. Finally, Wednesday night, which will be the night we come back for the podcast. We'll get into that in just one second. Uh, there's one national broadcast on NBA TV at 7 o'clock, as the Wizards will host the Toronto Raptors. Your remaining games, uh, the Magic hosts the Philadelphia 76ers at 7. At uh, 7.30, the Nets host the Bucks. Two games at eight o'clock. Thunder hosts the Knicks and then the Phoenix Suns are in Houston against the Rockets. Finally at eight 30, the Dallas Mavericks will host the Cleveland Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell versus Luka Doncic should be very exciting as well. Full slate of games. Um, of course, Tuesday, Wednesday, back to normal action. Saturday's jam packed. A lot of exciting games for Saturday, but of course, Christmas is going to be the focus. Why I'm going to let you pick first. What's the one Christmas day game barring any, you know, fam- familial obligations. What's the one Christmas Day game that you would pencil in and say, that's the one I got to watch?
1: Um, for me, it would be the Lakers and Celtics, just because uh, I enjoy watching the Lakers. You know, we've talked about it before, and I'm a fan of LeBron. Uh, even though they had a couple of losses instantly, I'd be excited to see them play the Celtics, you know, one of the 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 top team in the East, and, and then the Lakers are – scraping their way up a little bit, but they're the in-season tournament victor, so that would be my uh, top choice there on Christmas.
0: Yeah, I would honestly agree with you uh, as far as a first choice. If I had to pick another to have us have a little bit different opinion here, uh, I would go with the last game, uh, Suns-Mavericks, just again, because of that whole playoff dynamic. Um, Booker versus Doncic. Both of those guys are electric and they also have a little bit of like a, you know, they, they get irritated with things and they irritate others. Um, And so I think that could be very intriguing, but I also, I'd kind of, I'd kind of like to see the Knicks hosting the bucks, you know, as tired as it can be to say this, it is kind of a truth that there is something unique about Madison square garden and those fans, they, they kind of get it. There's a lot of uh, arenas and fan bases where, you know, you're playing a game and half the arena you can tell is just there to, you know, it's a family outing. Let's go to the basketball game or whatever it is. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen with the Knicks, but it seems like during a game, the Knicks fans, they've got it. They're locked in. They understand what's going on and, um, it can be an engaging place to play. Of course, there's legendary performances in, in the garden. So, um, Should be one to watch out for. It'd be interesting to see if Giannis or Lillard has one of those legendary type of games in the garden that should be interesting to watch for and to see if the Knicks can compete with one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. So yeah, it should be a ton of great games to watch out for. And again, Wednesday will be the last night of action um, before we we, we cover games and and recap games. And with that, let's actually look at the schedule we have. We're going to post this on our social media pages. I'll take an opportunity to plug those real quick. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Crossover Across Time. Fairly straightforward. On Twitter, slash slash X, whichever you prefer there. We're at X Over Across Time, simply due to the character limit on the username. On all three of those, you can find a link tree that will take you to any of the other social media pages, but will also take you to the podcast itself, where to listen to it. Um, Of course, you're already listening, so um, you're on one of the platforms, but we're available on... Pod, uh spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and rss.com so a lot of different places you can check us out um we appreciate your your support and and supporting the social media side as well again the schedule will be posted there looking ahead to next week of course we won't have an episode on christmas uh or the day after so it'll be just kind of somewhat normal We'll do a Wednesday podcast on the 27th and we'll do a Friday podcast on the 29th. So we just won't have the Monday episode there the following week, which will be uh, the first week of the new year. We'll have no show on New Year's Day, uh, which is a Monday, the first. But we will do a Tuesday podcast that following day on the second. Uh, however, there's no Wednesday show or you know any kind of Thursday show either um, <clears throat> just due to my own personal birthday celebration honestly um you know i'll have i have some plans for those couple of days to to take that time off uh especially the the third thank you Wyatt. i appreciate that um so well you know we won't do a show the third or the fourth but we'll be back on friday the 5th for a normal friday show so the next two weeks, we'll have two episodes each week, and we're not missing any Friday episodes, so we won't have to do any bonus franchise focuses for the time being. And then that next week, the the week of December 8th, or January 8th, rather, we'll be back to our normal schedule, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and that will be for the next while, probably until All-Star Weekend, where we have maybe a touch of a change. But um, the next couple of weeks, um, just a couple episodes each week, and then back to the normal schedule. And again, that will be on the social media pages so that, uh, you know, that should take care of that. I suppose we, we promised updates. There's your update on that. Um, with that, let's go and give you our this day in history fact before we wrap things up. Um, speaking of the Knicks and Madison core garden, uh, as I lose my voice here, um, we're going back to December 20th, uh, 2006. So, Almost 20 years ago at this point, which seems wild, but uh, December 20th of 2006, New York Knicks forward, David Lee scores a game winning basket with only 0.1 seconds left on the clock. The shot counts because Lee deflects deflected the inbounds pass into the basket. It is the first occurrence of a team winning an NBA game with one tenth of one second left since the NBA implemented the Trent Tucker rule in 1990. Trent Tucker, of course, a former Nick himself, and it was a Knicks game winner in that situation too. So look up both of those. It's an intriguing, you know, history about, you know, technicalities of the clock and and game winning scenarios. Um, great plays by both those guys. And uh a great moment in history to remember. Uh with that that's pretty much our show Wyatt any closing thoughts as we get ready for the holidays uh and we have our brief little hiatus.
1: Uh no, I mean merry christmas everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast and hope you all have a great weekend and a great next weekend too with the new year.
0: Absolutely. Yes, merry christmas. Happy holidays. Uh whatever you celebrate. We you know, hope you enjoy it and enjoy some time with friends and family. We know that we are certainly going to be doing that. We look forward to it. But uh, that's it for our show. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back uh, next week on Wednesday with the podcast. And um, that's it for us now. We'll see you then.